You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back, everyone, to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 21 called Flipped Classroom, UDL, and EdTech Reform. In this episode, Geis and I will be sitting down with a special guest host, co-creator of Classroom Q and tech coach Kyle Nemus. We will talk about the difference between universal design for learning, otherwise known as UDL, and differentiation, how technology is shifting education away from traditional teaching practices, and end with a tech battle royale. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Guys, I'm pretty good. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, Kyle, excited for you to be here. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is a long time coming. I mean, we've been talking about this for at least four months. I, I feel like it's even been longer than that, and uh, we're super excited to have you here on the uh, Got Tech podcast today. So uh, a little bit about you. I know you and I have a lot in common. Uh, we started as one position in education. We went to another. So I was hoping that you could just give us a little bit about your educational background, where you started, where you're at now. Sure. Yeah. So I'm over in New Jersey, South Brunswick. And uh, for most of my career, for the last 12 years, I've been a middle school science teacher, which for those who are not a middle school science teacher, is pretty much the best gig that there is out there. But then I recently changed to hopefully what will be an even better gig as now the ed tech coach for both of the middle schools in my district. That's awesome. And, And I guess, can you tell me a little bit about how you're adjusting to that position. I know there's a lot of differences from being in the classroom versus uh, helping teachers and implementing uh, new tech tools and things like that. So how are you handling that transition? What's it been like? Yeah. So I will tell you, I'm definitely still, as I'm only a few months in, very much still kind of figuring things out. It's kind of difficult, you know, to go from a job that you work really hard at and you think that you're pretty good at to now almost starting over. And uh, so a lot of this last few months has really been just kind of trying new things out, a a ton of new things, and some have failed and some have been all right. So I'm definitely still getting used to the new change, but I do like it. I like the fact that you can really kind of impact now a whole lot more people and just kind of do some really cool stuff. And I'll tell you, the number one thing I'm loving doing is that helping teachers kind of make those dreams come to life of all the things they've always wanted to do, but never have had the time to do. I feel like now I can really kind of make those things happen, which is really gratifying. That's that's fascinating. I was also kind of thinking as you were talking there was tech when you were still teaching was tech always a big part of your classroom like it was always an interest of yours and and now you just get the opportunity to fully explore it or were you like a not tech guy but now in this role you have to sort of learn everything i would say i'm kind of in the middle i've definitely had a reputation in my building is using a lot of tech but it's not that i love tech or i'm obsessed with tech i think i'm just really love giving kids different opportunities and i like trying new things and tech just kind of fell neatly into that scenario. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I've always kind of considered myself the same thing. We have actually said on the podcast many times that the ed tech stuff isn't a one size fits all or isn't an answer to everything. Like you said, it's just to try and change it up and vary things as much as possible for the kids. Enhance a lesson. That, yeah. That's our, our key. And we, we've said that many times. Don't just 
use tech to use tech, right. use it to enhance it. So I think this is also a good time to bring up one of many reasons you're here, Kyle, but one of the thing, one of the main reasons we brought you on today was to talk about a very exciting thing that you've had the opportunity to not only come up with, but develop and administrate. And that, of course, is Classroom Q. So I was hoping we could start off and if you could just let us know kind of what Classroom Q is and what it's all about. Sure. Thank you. So yeah, so Classroom Q, we've been around for about two years and so here's kind of what it is. I think it's the tool you didn't realize you needed until you actually use it. So here's kind of my little my little pitch. So if you can imagine, I don't know, a few hundred years ago and some guy working behind a deli counter and, you know, he was getting to all the people who were ordering food. But ultimately, you can kind of imagine this crazy scene of people ordering this and ordering that. And he's trying to get to everyone. And it's just madness. Um, sometimes classroom feels a little bit like that, where you're just really trying to get to this kid with their hand up and that kid with their hand up. And you're like, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. And inevitably, you leave out one kid or you forget this kid or this kid, you went to him and his other kid's hand was raised first. And it's just for a while, we've accepted that as just normal, if you will. Um, so we kind of made almost like a digital deli ticket system for the classroom. So the idea is now when kids need help, they just kind of click a button and you get notified and they get put in like a, a digital queue. So it's such a simple tool, but it can truly transform your classroom. So just to paint the picture for the listeners, tell us uh, how the kid knows when he's next in line or third in line. How can they see when they're the next person to get their sliced ham or turkey breast? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, on their screen, it has a live updating. Hey, your teacher's helping four people, three people. So it kind of lets them live update as the teacher is going around helping people. But a lot of teachers will actually project the list just for it makes their life a little bit easier. Um, but what it also does, is, which is really cool, is it really um, promotes kind of peer collaboration and peer helping because when you raise your hand, you have no idea what question that kid has in mind. But if it's projected up there and they type it in, if you know the answer, you might be able to go help them out. So it actually kind of serves a couple purposes. Uh, I know I always say three before me. When a student comes up and asks me a question, I go, did you ask three people before me? Because if all all four of you are confused about it, then it's on me. But were you listening? Is it something that one of your peers can help you out with? And I think that's very cool. And one thing that I really like about this is when students want to ask questions and they're raising their hand, they stop working and they hold that hand up for five, six minutes at times, depending how crazy the assignment is. And you lose that time by having you classroom queue there, I feel like, oh, I know I'm up in three. I'm good to go. I'll just keep working on something else. And then I'll come back to this after the teacher's ready to help me. So I feel like you gain momentum there. What's the, uh, what's the student interface like on this? Like, what do they have to do? Is it something you have to train them on or like how simplistic is it? What, what do they actually see? Now, so I think because the fact that it's made by myself and another teacher, we know that the simpler the ed tech tool, the better it is, right? The less you have to train them. So our whole goal with the site is to keep it so simple. So would basically they would log in with a code the same way you would for you know Kahoot or Quizlet Live or any of those kind of sites. And then they basically have a, a big red button in front of them with the option to write a question. Uh, and that's it. So it's all they need to do is hit the button. I love that. That's my favorite thing about all this is it just like you said, I think the fact that it's coming from actual teachers, you understand how important it is to be as simple as possible. And this is about as bare bones as it gets, but it also serves a tremendous purpose. And I, I don't know if you want if you don't mind going down this road, guys, I really want to hear a little bit about just briefly um, the story uh, on how you did this, because I think there's probably a lot of teachers out there who think things every day like, wow, I really wish there was a tool that allowed me to keep track of, you know, which kids hands were raised, but you're sort of just in in this box where you feel like you can't do it or you don't have the training or how could how does anyone know how to 
make something like that for themselves, but you're kind of walking proof that it, it's it's very possible. So could you describe just a little bit about like start to finish how you made this happen? Sure. Like you said, it started off with the, we couldn't believe it wasn't out there because it was such a ridiculously simple idea. So when we couldn't figure, find that, it, you know, we found that it wasn't out there. The first thing I did was basically talk to teachers I knew and said, does anyone have any connections to anyone out there who knows how to even bring this to life? Because I have absolutely no idea. So after talking to a handful of people, I got directed to another teacher and he knew this world. So Dan Martino, I got to give him a shout out because without him, I mean, this would be nothing. So he knows that world. He knows who to talk to. He knows how to find people to code. And and luckily, he found it and kind of made all that happen. So he really is responsible for bringing this to life. So you have someone that compliments you in a great way. It's kind of like Nick and myself. He's very <laughs> artistic. I'm not. I have the ideas and he, well, I guess he has a couple ideas up his sleeve too. But I make the ideas happen. That's what I always say. My frequency of ideas surpasses his frequency of ideas. I like that. It's a frequency thing. It's a frequency. But mine are really good when they happen. Uh, every time, every once in a while, uh, you know, what's that expression? A blind squirrel gets a nut? Every, every so often, yeah. There you go. So awesome. You know, Classroom Q how can someone get a hold of Classroom Q? What do they have to do to, uh, what's the subscription? What's the cost? How can they get a hold of it? Yeah, so they could just go to classroomq.com or follow us at the Classroom Q. But like I said, it's made by teachers and we understand that we don't really want to pay a whole lot for tech tools. So we have our free version, which most people use. And if they do want to pay the extra features kind of thing, it's 20 bucks for the year. Again, we're trying to make it very affordable and um, hopefully worthwhile for teachers. I think it's a bargain. I don't know. I don't know anyone that any teacher out there that doesn't spend a couple bucks on the classroom. And I, I think that would be an amazing tool to have in the classroom. Kyle, we want to thank you for talking to us about Classroom Q, but don't go away because we're going to have a couple more segments with Kyle here. Thanks. Hello, my name is Morgan Cozy and I teach an athletic training course. I was wondering if you could go over the differences between UDL and differentiated learning. All right, UDL and differentiation. So when I heard this question for the first time, I immediately thought back to a conversation that we had in the past, Kyle, and I know that you are a big supporter of UDL. So I was hoping if you could give us a little bit of a rundown of UDL, what it is and how it fits into education. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm a ginormous fan of UDL. For those people who've never heard of UDL, you are not alone. I very recently in the last couple of years truly learned about what it is. I thought it was just kind of another acronym. So it actually started from architecture. And so this is the best way to kind of get the big idea. So when someone builds a building, they think of all the different people who might be coming into their building and they want to put structures in place so everyone can get into the building. And so, for example, they'll put maybe a ramp in case someone has a wheelchair that they need to get into the building, right? But the thing is with that ramp is just because someone in a wheelchair uses it, it doesn't mean it won't benefit someone else, right? Maybe some little kid wants to go run up and down the ramp and now he gets in the building and has a great time doing it. So the idea behind UDL is really putting things in place in your classroom that hopefully will benefit someone with the idea that really anyone can use these structures. That's why it's kind of called universal is that you're putting things in place that could be good for one person, but really could be good for all people. So when we talk about good for one person, good for all, I mean, what are the types of people that we're bringing into the classroom that we're hoping, who are our stakeholders in UDL? Yeah. So I was 
obviously we're talking about the students and and the the thing with this is the big idea that all students learn differently which of course isn't a brand new idea you know what i mean but no matter what sometimes we still kind of teach to the middle and um and we miss kind of the the students who maybe could go a little further or the students who maybe need some more time so they are the stakeholders in particular and it's a really good way to make sure that everyone can really get to the curriculum so this this is fascinating and i'm i'm at a little bit of a disadvantage compared to you guys I know a little bit about udl but not a whole lot it does sound to me a lot of like what you're describing sounds like differentiation is there a difference do they overlap yeah so that was actually my number one question cuz so the goal is ultimately the same the goal is to meet all the needs of all your learners. And so I'm going to use another kind of analogy here with cooking. Differentiation a lot of times is more like, you know, you have 20 different kids in your classroom, so you're making 20 different meals for them. You know, this meal meets the needs of this kid. So you, it's kind of a lot of work to really, it's almost you decide what they need and then you give it to them. Whereas UDL, you kind of put out a lot of different options. It's more of a buffet than it is a, a kind of serving them the right thing. And then they choose what is best for them. And of course you might guide them along the way, but really it's letting them have a lot more choice in the, what they choose to do. It kind of makes me think of one thing I'm really into right now is flipped lessons, flipped classroom stuff. And as I do more of that, and I, and I sort of build this archive of uh, videos, their online content that I've created, and I add to it. And every time I run these lessons, I feel like I'm adding things besides just the video. So I've got the video that's like one option for how they can access the content. And then I'm putting another link uh, as like either support or for kids that don't like watching the videos, because for sure that, that's that, you know, there's certain students who don't respond to that super well. And I'm slowly building like this catalog where there's like three to four different ways that the students can engage with this one concept. And you know, taken all at once, it's like, man, look at all that stuff that's there. But it's just slowly over time, you, I'm building like this, you know, this, uh, like I said, sort of a catalog of things. Is that, does that, Kyle, sound like what you're describing in a UDL sense? Yes. I mean, it's, you went down the, you seem like you're going down the exact same journey I went down because I did the same thing. I flipped lessons. And then it's actually what really changed me was one girl, I still remember it. She basically said to me, she's like, Mr. Nemus, I really don't like your videos and I don't like learning <laughs> from your videos. And I was, of course, like, I was like, what? My videos are amazing. What do you mean? Haters. Uh, Haters. <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, taking a step back, I was like, all right, well, then let's come up with a different option. And then sure enough, when I offered her a different option, some other kids took the same option. It was a huge light bulb of like, oh, my goodness, I really do need to put out a few different options. So students can really get the curriculum. Like you said, videos are just one of the many things you can put out. I will I will say this. When I flipped my classroom, one of the populations of students that really came up to me and said, hey, this is awesome. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to mention it. I don't care. I know I have a monotone voice. They said, you really have to work on that. And I'm not one to put my mug at the bottom right hand corner of my videos. It just doesn't happen that way. And uh, nor do any student really want to see that. So I had to find different ways to show that I was excited about the material. And I do talk slow. It's, it's drawn out. But I mean, you really develop ways to make this a better process. And that was m one of the processes that I had to make was how can I make myself more interesting so they could tell that I'm really excited about what I'm teaching. So that was one thing. And, and how you could differentiate that a little bit for each student is you can put your face there. You could just do a screencast. I, I know, Kyle, you did some uh, full version, like you're in front of a board. I saw one on the uh, skeletal system, That's I believe, it. and that was a good one. And so there's different ways that you could do that. But let's talk a little bit about the 
pros and the cons. I mean, we're we're talking all these pros. Let's let's really paint some of the cons and how we can overcome these cons of UDL. And one has to be it takes time. It takes a lot of time to get this stuff together. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you. I think there's two main cons. I think that go with it. So the first is absolutely right. It's just. But Nick, you said it yourself. You start off with one, and you end up with two. And so because I, I actually teach a graduate class about UDL, and sometimes you see that kind of deer in the headlights when they see, oh my goodness, I need to go from one option to ten options, and and you, and you don't. You kind of chip away little by little. And I think that's the best advice I can have is UDL doesn't have to be this ginormous, scary undertaking of a thing. So the the simplest example I can think of is if you're giving kids notes one day and maybe you put a highlighter on the table. Now a kid has a chance to take notes and some kids have a chance to highlight. Like that in its simplest form is UDL and it doesn't require a whole lot. It's just you think of the needs of your students and small little things that can help them along the way. So it doesn't need to be big and overwhelming. Um, But I'll tell you the biggest mistake that I made is I got so excited about choice once I, you know, found out I can give kids choice, that I gave way too many choices. And so that was also a terrible idea. So for anyone out there who's considering choice, you be careful because, you know, it's like going to a diner with 40 options and you're overwhelmed. You don't know what to pick. That's basically what I did to my kids. And I gave them a whole lot of anxiety. So you don't want to put too many options out there. Okay. Now I got to press you a little bit on that. Cause like you said, I'm sort of uh, maybe halfway down the road that it seems like you've already walked with this stuff. So I've got the, the video, the content that I create to teach something. I, with that, I post a source that has the same information, but that they can just read. I also post access to our online textbook with like the page numbers where they can find it exactly. And so, and I think right now it's pretty much those three things that they can do to fit whatever their need is for or how they like to learn best was there like a number you found of like a certain quantity where it's like yeah that's way too much like when you get to five that's when we start losing these kids or does it kind of depend on what you're teaching yeah so for me the choice i gave them was learning but i also put choices for how they wanted to learn the material but i'm going to give you a number i think five to seven is a good number and and so my my advice i'd give to any teacher out there is everyone should be doing a different job so my fault i did is i put a YouTube video on about skeletal system. And then I put another YouTube video about skeletal and another one. And so you can pick anyone you want. But really what I then started doing was I picked the one that I thought was the absolute best. They had one other YouTube video to go to. Like you said, one thing they can read about, one thing they can listen to. Um, So it's really thought out choices for different learning styles. I I understand. And I'm telling you, light bulb, you know, the modalities of learning. You have your auditory learners. You have your, I I mean, you have all these different types of learners out there. I see what you're saying with having three videos on the same thing. That's still only really providing maybe motivation or excitement for one type of learner. So yeah, have a a paper source out there, have a video source, have some other, an audio source, have someone build something out of clay to show, you know, what they know. And I think that's a great thing, but one hang up that I see with UDL, and this is a hard one to really sell to people, is the fact that UDL and standardized testing, we're still a standardized testing society. We, We base a lot of our stuff off of standardized testing. So just curious to see what type of score differentials you've seen from standard practice versus the UDL practice. So my honest answer is none. I've seen no difference, but I will tell you the difference I've seen in their enjoyment of coming to school and the way that they learn and the excitement they feel and the boredom that goes away. So if the scores stay the same, but the kids are a whole lot happier being in the classroom, I'm going to call that a win still. I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a very good point there. I can, I'll just jump in and second that too. Just after two years of trying to flip certain units in my chemistry classes, I've seen exactly the same thing. The test scores, no difference really. Maybe some better, but not not 
tremendous difference there, just like you said. But man, the kids feel so much more, they feel way more supported. I hear all the time that they, how much more comfortable they feel just because they know. It's just like takes all the pressure off of it because they know that the information never goes away. They know that class time is free to get help that they need. And yeah, it just frees up for like doing cool, fun stuff. So you're you're 100% on the mark with what I've seen uh, with this as well, is that it just makes things so much nicer and more enjoyable, which, which like you said, I think that counts as a major benefit, if not the major benefit that we should all be trying to reach. Yeah. One thing that I'm thinking about is one of our overarching themes that we've been going over is standards-based learning, competency-based grading, personalization, all these types of things. And I really feel like all these practices fit well with UDL. And uh, I think the whole personalization piece is another thing that gets students very excited about learning because the teachers are taking the time to know what makes them tick, to understand how they learn and, and those types of things. So I feel like personalization, choice boards, UDL is all branded, is all like cut from the same cloth almost. Yeah, I agree. And so just kind of a different lens on, on UDL, it doesn't even have to be with learning like the content. So for example, let's just say hypothetically you're playing a fun review game, Kahoot, Quizlet Live, whatever, right? I think a lot of times teachers say, okay, class, we're all playing Quizlet Live right now. But you know, there's probably a couple of kids who have anxiety in the class who don't want to be partnered up with someone or whatever it is. So even something as simple as we're going to play Quizlet Live or if you prefer, you can study from your notebook or quiz it on your own. And just giving that option, even for review games of kids to choose the path they want to take, even that it makes a big difference in the classroom too. I think this whole thing is really fascinating, especially what guys just said. It kind of brings so many educational initiatives full circle and literally pick a thing you've heard about in the past 20 years. And it just ties right in with this. And that's kind of one of the reasons I like it so much. And hopefully some of the listeners out there got some good ideas for ways that they can bring UDL into their class classrooms as well. Hi, I'm Kyle Nemus, the co-creator of Classroom Q, and you are listening to Got Teched, the podcast. I'll tell you what, I'm an avid sports watcher. I don't know if either one of you two watch sports, but one of the things I like is when a TV, sh- a TV show goes into a debate of some sort. So what I kind of want to do today is I want to go over some technology and how it affects the traditional teaching style. So I'm going to pick like a category that goes in there. So the first one, we'll just say technology and what is it doing to people's teaching styles. And then you'll have 15 seconds or a short amount of time until I decide to give you the hook on what comes to mind i don't even care if it's something off topic just give me what's on your mind about the topic that i that i uh described to you guys you guys understand what i'm talking about here so you're just you're just going to come up with a random topic and i have to say give me 15 seconds of anything that comes to your your brain all right i think i can do that and then you guys are going to go and then i'm going to pick who's i like best oh my god based on nothing all right all right bring Sounds good. So let's give it a shot. So the first one is technology and how is it impacting the way that we are teaching or teaching style? So Nick, you're going to start off just because I want Kyle to get a really good answer so I can call his name. All right. Well, I'll steal the good answer then just to piggyback off of something we were talking about in the last segment. Technology for me has the biggest effect on how teachers deliver content, making it much more interesting by making it happen faster, allowing it to happen on demand as kids can access content, not only by being in the classroom listening or by reading a textbook, they get to access it online 
online, videos, and other sources. I, I told you 15 seconds. You got to land your plane, son. Yeah, I landed pretty good. All right. Kyle, you're up now. How has technology affected teaching styles? I think technology has allowed parents to be more involved than ever before because now they don't have to be uh, worried about the kid being the middleman. They have access to all the same things their students do and can help them and support them. You see that short, sweet, to the point. Point number one goes to Kyle because he didn't take the obvious answer. (laughs) He actually came up with something creative that we haven't talked about in the show already. All right, the second thing technology and grading uh i'm gonna say kyle go here first i'm thinking of a lot of good things here so i i want you guys to really explore the space go ahead kyle so i think technology allows you to spend less time grading so you can spend more time on lessons and relationships with the kids i i mean he's he's taking six seconds but that's a that's a punch to the gut right there that's a punch to the gut let's go nick what do you got i think i'm gonna go the angle of less time grading also but from the perspective of freeing up more time for teachers to live fulfilled and happy personal lives with electronic grading that happens in learning management systems, Google Forms, a lot less time for me at home so I can spend time relaxing and enjoying my family. 14.75 seconds and we'll give you the win for that. Yeah. Yeah, big win. All right. The last one, and this is one that I really enjoy, and this is going to be how technology is affecting the way our classrooms look like the actual furniture that's inside all right kyle i'm gonna give you the first go at this because i think there's only one obvious answer oh man i hope i hit it um i think the fact that now there's more options for flexible seating because they can sit where they want they don't have to stare at the teacher who's in front of the classroom allows you to really let them sit and be comfortable and learn where they want to learn with who they want to learn i'm just going to take the exact same response but walk (laughs) 20 years down the road where the flexible seating is now classrooms have almost no desks and chairs at all maybe a small section with cooperative learning tables, but the rest of the whole space uh, has comfortable areas, areas for food and drink, different areas, depending on what you're doing and how you're working at one time. I know we've got a while before we get there, but I think that's the the end goal of of the flexible seating movement. I really like uh, your elaboration of Kyle's answer, but it was over 15 seconds, but I like your answer slightly better. I'm going to call that a tie, and we're going to call this all a tie, but I'm going to come up with a very special way for you guys to break the tie right after this. It's time for the Tick Battle Royale! That's right, it's time for the Tech Battle Royale. This is where Nick and I typically go mano a mano, one-on-one, but today we are going to settle the previous score with Kyle and Nick, and I'm going to take the bow out here, and I'm going to call in the right-hander from the bullpen, and we're going to close out this game with Kyle taking my spot. And you know what? When or if, probably when, because I have no confidence in Nick whatsoever to beat him, but if Kyle wins, I say... We'll give them maybe a prize for it. Yeah, we got we have a prize box ready to roll. Actually, I don't know if we've ever gotten to give out anything from the prize box, so maybe this will be the first time. That's pretty exciting. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel. Okay, so of our categories, uh, which you guys have all heard before, some of them just to give you some examples, productivity, video screencasting, learning management systems. This time we have uh, electronic assessments. Yeah, electronic assessments or digital assessments. Digital assessments, I'll let you go anywhere with assessments. So I'll give you guys a second to think about it. Well, you know... I want to make sure, because I didn't tell Kyle that he was going to do this today, but I have that much confidence in him. So, Kyle, do you want Nick to go first, or 
would you like to go first? Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right, take it away. So I'm going to start off with a quote from a seventh grader today that was, this game is better than Kahoot and it's better than Fortnite. That wanna- is a big, yeah. big statement there. Yeah, I don't. we've never, neither one of us has ever used a quote in our arguments. No, so he's, he's off to an early lead, but yeah, this is bad. I, I know Kahoot is big, but Fortnite, I, I'd never played it, but I have heard a lot about it. All right, you got me intrigued. Go ahead, Kyle. So the tool I'm introducing is GimKit. And if you haven't heard of GimKit, I'm going to tell you right now, it is the tool of the 2018-19 year. I'm calling it right now. And what's so cool about it is it's made by this high school student, Josh. I don't know how to say your last name, so I don't want to mess it up, but you can follow him at GimKit. Um, and so... What it is, it's very much like Kahoot and a lot of other games, but what's super, super cool about it is it kind of taps into students' gaming um, love, and so they can kind of level up and earn money and buy new things, and it's it's the right amount of like extra features without it being overly complicated. Kids were begging to play it, and they absolutely love it. Wow. <laughs> we both said that at the same time. I'm telling you, it sounds awesome. So, GimKit, go find it. Take a look at it. Better than Kahoot, and Kyle is calling it the game of the year for 2018-19. So that sounds really good and actually kind of Kyle sort of stole my argument for my choice for this uh, tech battle as well but that's okay we'll see if it works for for my choice which um, is something called Quiz Is. You can find it at quizzes.com uh, the spelling on that's a little bit weird it's quiz Q-I-Z and then I-Z-Z dot com. Quiz Is does what Kahoot does and I only mention that because Kahoot is kind of like the thing that most teachers are knowing and using for the online formative assessment sort of like a fun game format. Quizzes does that, but it adds in a bunch of other features that I think make it a little bit more powerful. Um, it's The whole concept, like I said, is pretty similar to Kahoot. It's free, uh, self-paced quizzing that allows your classes to review together. The benefit to quizzes is they not only can do this in class in that sort of large group setting, it also allows them to do this at home in what quizzes calls a homework mode. So if I'm the teacher and I want to get sort of like that fun classroom environment where the kids are competing on teams against each other, uh, I can do that. Obviously, I can make my own quiz with my own questions as well, build in that time element uh, for each question, but then also I can make similar quizzes that the students do individually at home that can be graded. It will automatically score them for you. So there takes away all the grading piece from the teacher, which is really nice, or just use it as formative. So you get a sense of how your students are uh, understanding the material you've sent home with them for the night before they come into classroom the next day and you get that feedback so you can put it to work in your uh, in your next upcoming lesson. So I think quizzes is an, is an easy win just because it does what so many online uh, games do, online review games do, but that in more with the homework mode now i'm not gonna lie that that's a good argument but i mean you just gave like a four minute thing here on quizzes so kyle anything else you want to add you want to talk a little bit about what they can buy in the game sure yeah GimKit does all the same things as quizzes it is basically quizzes 2.0 you can still study data they can still do it on their own pace it is all the advantages of quizzes only now it incorporates gaming. So it's basically just uh, the quiz is 2.0. So as you heard, I, I got to point out a couple things. I'm, I'm not going to bring down quizzes because I've used it and I've loved it. But I've never heard of GimKit until recently. 
And I'm telling you, I, I agree with uh, Kyle here that it is like a 2.0 digital assessment. And one of the things I really like is the gamification part of it. You know I'm a big gamification person, so therefore, I hate to do this, Nick, but I'm going to raise Kyle's arm here, just his arm. And uh, Kyle, you're going to get the win for this, and I'm so excited. I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give okay. you two things. The first thing... I'm going to let you do the victory speech, but the second thing, and I'm very, this is probably the best prize we've given out all year. Congratulations. You have just received a full subscription to Classroom Q. Congratulations. What I've always wanted. Thank you so much. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. That was a good one. So So stay tuned. First time winner, first time player, Kyle Nemus is going to give his victory speech. Thanks for the victory. Want to know? I mean, I'll, I'll take it being Nick. The quote, I guess, I'm going to use to start off my victory speech is a, a simple one that I love. It just says, it's, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm telling you it's going to be worth it. So whether it be UDL or using technology in the classroom or really taking a hard look at yourself and figuring out if kids actually like what you're doing and you need to choice, you know, give them more choices, it's never going to be an easy thing. But ultimately, in the end, if we can meet those kids' needs, I think that that's the goal and it's worth it. Make sure to check out Got Tech online at www.gottech.com and check them out on Twitter for sure at We Got Tech.